0: Welcome back to Propel, Alan and Overy's podcast addressing all things related to self-driving cars. Today, we are joined by Serene Haddad, a PhD student at Nanyang Technological University in Singapore. The focus of her research is on analyzing live environments in order to predict pedestrian movements and walk paths to enhance autonomous vehicle navigation systems. Serene, it's a great pleasure to have you on the program.
1: Thank you, Paul. It's great to be here.
0: Serene, I know you're sitting in Singapore, and we certainly want to get your perspective on the AV industry developing there. But before that, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your research?
1: Well, I spent four years doing PhD studies at NTU, or Nanyang Technological University. And recently, I submitted my research thesis but during these years, I worked on developing algorithms for forecasting pedestrian walking paths in urban places. Beside that, I was involved in graduate students' community as a volunteer for mental health panel discussions. I was once a moderator and interview host, and as a residential education mentor for educating undergraduate students on programming mobile applications.
0: Thanks for that. So let's turn to your adopted country, Singapore, which certainly has made significant strides in preparing and being prepared for AV technologies. Can you tell us about the technological advances that have been made there and made it one of the leaders in the space?
1: Well, sure. Singapore has become a locus for innovation and technology. The mission to advance a smart city concept has made Singapore take a pioneer position. How does that happen? It happens by launching initiatives, of course, to join academia and industry together, such that these two parties develop nationwide policies for futuristic technology. Talking a little bit more about Smart Nation, it is one initiative of many initiatives that they start. So it is one initiative in which members dedicate knowledge to develop projects that advances people, living quality and style, They also understand that technology cannot be made applicable in reality by the development in money alone, but also by developing legislations that support these advancements. So the legislative parties there, they cooperate by establishing up-to-date policies and plan ahead for a decade with a firm understanding of the technology itself. So Singapore is embracing technological change and advancing its laws accordingly. And this is pretty impressive for a small, but yet a very dynamic country in Southeast Asia. A major thing to mention is that the public transport is developing rapidly and also injecting AI, which is artificial intelligence in this domain. A million Singaporeans daily use the public transport from trains to buses for their commutation. The government focus is on allowing more autonomy in the buses, the trains, and delivering the right testing to the public transport operators.
0: Well, that's certainly impressive. As you mentioned, it is very well appreciated that the rate of technological change usually outpaces the laws. And so I think the benefit, it sounds, that the Singaporeans are very comfortable with technology and changing their laws accordingly. We have to acknowledge that you're talking during a pandemic. Has COVID-19 impacted your research or the self-driving technology developed there in Singapore generally? Can you comment on that?
1: So according to recent reporting by industrial officials, COVID does not stop the development of intelligent vehicles. In fact, COVID has nurtured the causes to progress faster and implementing autonomous robots, as they will be crucial for limiting COVID spread and the manpower requirement to do field tasks. LTA, which is the Land and Transport Authority in Singapore, their management board has reported for the NTU magazine saying that during the pandemic, the way is still long towards a proper deployment of autonomous cars. However, research and development of this technology is progressing very well. The LTA is still also planning for a project that launches intelligent public servicing robots in the near future to serve the safety requirements during the pandemic times. And I'm talking, I'm giving these examples from the heart of the pandemic last year. And still now, the world is waking up slowly from this pandemic. And yet, even during that time, like we are talking last March or last April, everyone was working from home. Yet the researchers did not stop working on testing autonomous buses inside the campus, autonomous robots to drive autonomously inside the campus roads. And we are talking about a huge campus. So there are lots of roads. There are the empty roads or less crowded ones. And there are the areas where a lot of students walk, a lot of cars also drive on the same road. So it's a huge motivation that researchers held researchers like me, and even the ones leading bigger projects than the one I'm working on. Even during the work from home and the isolation, they were still working on this technology. So the motivation was nonstop.
0: Well, that's great. And frankly, a little bit of a surprise. The impact of this virus has been so significant that I think many of our listeners would have believed that all work it slowed down. But I think as you think about it, maybe we shouldn't be surprised that the effort to avoid contact that all of us are struggling with naturally leans to cars that don't have drivers that allow us to take us place to place. You mentioned earlier Singapore's Smart Nation Initiative. I'd like to hear a little bit more about that initiative and more importantly, the impact that it's had on you as a researcher. Can you tell us about that? In
1: 2014, Singapore announced the Smart Nation Initiative to engage more people into the digital innovation plan. So commuters who are in the loop install, for example, SG which is a smartphone application to track public buses and trains routes to make more efficient decisions while commuting. So I can check the waiting time and then decide which option I would take, the bus or the train and which buses to take also, the commuters can pay the bus fare through contactless payment services with just a mobile click. So they've turned the payments, whether inside shopping mall, inside the buses, the trains, all with just your mobile application. LTA recently approved two projects under the Smart Nation. One project equips public buses with visual tracking system that shows street view, live stream, to determine the bus location. And a second project is a signed trial for testing autonomous trucks in specific roads. Not to forget also NTU driverless shuttle bus, which is the blue tram, which NTU management has approved to test inside the campus. It also carries students' passengers by hundreds daily between specific areas inside the campus. That's just one example of what is NTU doing also. But to mention more, Singapore expanded its testing area to cover all the public roads in the west side of Singapore by around a thousand kilometers, making up one-tenth of the city-state's total space of navigable streets. Add to this retraining 100 bus drivers as autonomous vehicle bus safety operators. So they are going to launch, maybe in the next five years, ten years, they're going to launch more autonomous buses, and yet we will keep The bus driver inside to monitor behind the steering wheel. This is a part of its target, of course, to serve three new towns with driverless buses starting from 2022. So it's even shorter than five years. And to mention last, Singapore market size is small. It makes it difficult to attract vehicle manufacturing companies, but it has a major strength, including people's acceptance and awareness of the new technology because it's a small country in Southeast Asia, it's a very dynamic country. So people are used to seeing changes, innovation, they're more open-minded. So one of these innovations is the driverless cars, which are also expected to be integrated into Singapore's land transport plan for becoming a 45-minute city. So a 45-minute city means the most efficient navigation system with 90% of journeys completed in this time by 2040.
0: Those are all ambitious steps under the Smart City Initiative of Singapore. So what does this mean for researchers like you?
1: Well, uh, these news and these advancements keeps us in a very inspirational atmosphere. It offers a very exciting opportunity. Researchers can venture through the real-world technology business, shifting their knowledge to the complex world, and apply the technical expertise into realistic mass projects. Such opportunity to study in Singapore is essential to connect the academic outcomes with what indeed the society and public requires from us for having an easier, better, and smarter lifestyle.
0: And you're one of those researchers. Serene, so can you tell us about what you're doing and developing? You mentioned studying pedestrian movements and pathways. Can you talk more about that?
1: Sure. So in a nutshell, my research work focuses on very specific area that problem. It tackles pedestrian motion in public. Of course, part of the work contributes to the AVS technology, safe navigation, such that the algorithms that I'm developing can be developed in the future or tested on AVS and smart robots. But this is considered a top priority for letting this technology usable, reliable, and thereby more acceptable to the people. So the analysis that I'm doing is focused on pedestrian walking paths. So how do we do this? On a high level, the algorithm analyzed the past walking steps of each pedestrian, then it models how pedestrians consider each other's motion and the other elements surrounding them. Such that using AI, the algorithm can understand the pedestrian perception of the context they're involved in, and it can simulate several future paths which the pedestrian can take in the following four seconds. So we are talking about predicting pedestrian uh, movement steps in the following four seconds in the future time. Yet, the algorithm can examine the plausibility of multiple future paths and select the most plausible one or the most realistic one, which the pedestrian can potentially take or think about walking in such a path. So this happens given the understanding of how pedestrians take the influence from the context and how they draw the influence on each other's motion in the present time. We are talking about simulating the decision plan that is happening inside a human head, trying to think or put ourselves in pedestrian shoe. If we were in this situation, how we are going to move? What are the plausible safe paths that we are going to follow? Given the road structure, given the other vehicles moving around us and given the crowdedness of the place.
0: This is interesting and certainly, critically important for these vehicles to be able to kind of assess just like humans do as people walk along the street, they cross the crosswalks. we gain experience about what they're doing and when they're going to do it. And some of that's done though, through hand gestures or facial expressions, or just simply eye contact between the driver and the pedestrian. Does your algorithm take all that into consideration or does it use something else to try to understand what humans are going to do?
1: Well, we were planning in a future work to consider more features of these, more gestures to be included in the algorithm. But for now, to prove the concept, we want to use the minimal set of features. And that proves the success of AI, actually. We don't want to mix a lot of features like capturing the eye contact, capturing where they're looking, capturing how they gesture to each other. Of course, all of these are important indicators and they can contribute to the success of an AI algorithm. But first of all, we followed the mentality of, let's see how the algorithm is going to behave and what results it's going to yield by using simple features. Let's see how much it's going to learn. And actually later we've included the head direction because the head pose can indicate sometimes where we are looking. It can indicate how pedestrians pay attention to the moving objects around them. So we've added this feature basically to understand how the AI development is going to improve. However, we just followed the steps, like we just observed the past walking trajectory and we encode the scene structure. We encode any visual semantic features that can aid in understanding how pedestrian perceive surrounding environments.
0: That's interesting. I want to hear about the early results that you're finding with your model. How does your model distinguish between a person that's kind of stepping in a forward path versus maybe another object that's moving in a forward path, such as a maybe a piece of garbage, a floating bag or leaves. Does it distinguish between those things? And if so, how?
1: Of course it distinguishes because we are having a classes in the data that we are testing, it's a benchmark data set called Stanford Drone dataset. And we've also included other datasets captured from surveillance cameras inside campuses like ETH or other campuses around the world, which they offer these videos for free online. So they have classes of objects like pedestrian, car, cyclist, skateboarder, bus. So we follow these categories and we observe specifically the pedestrian motion. So all of our focus has been on predicting pedestrian motion, but we've also taken other classes motion like vehicles or higher velocity objects like skateboarder or cyclists to see how they are going to affect pedestrian motion. Of course, predicting the motion of faster objects can be more difficult in this technology because they change, they take decisions faster, the acceleration and the other dynamic properties change faster. So we don't limit our algorithm to learn one pattern, which is pedestrian motion. We also, at the same time, observe other patterns of motion to see how all these patterns interact together and how they influence each other. For example, pedestrian is easily affected by faster objects, faster moving objects. So they make decisions to change or tweak their motion based on that to avoid the collision. But if somebody is surrounded by only pedestrian and their motion is very monotone, then we will not see a lot of changes in the direction, changes in the act of motion for a single pedestrian because they feel safe. They feel okay to move and it's okay to take this path because it's safe enough.
0: It's a fascinating area to be studying and certainly a lot of questions. What are you finding? Any particular surprises?
1: Yes, exactly. The testing of three or four algorithms at the end showed very promising results, in fact, which can be adopted by AV manufacturers and enthusiasts. So our final algorithm showed a precision of prediction which was up to five centimeters. So we were predicting four seconds ahead for pedestrian motion, and it showed errors that were down to 10 centimeters and five centimeters, which is very interesting. It means that AI could learn continuously from a big data set like Stanford drone Dataset, and then it could update its learning at the same time to minimize the errors down to this precision, which is very important for any car manufacturer or any industrial body. They just look at the precision and the accuracy to make the technology as safe as possible.
0: You mentioned you have data sets from different locations. It sounds like different academic settings. Did I understand that right? Yes, true. Okay, so are they all in Singapore?
1: Well, no. These are public available data sets, which have been later adopted as benchmark data sets due to the massive usage and testing by different research academics around the world. And one of them is Stanford drone data set, which is One of the big data sets capturing videos of students walking inside and buses and cars moving and using the road, interacting with a circle, for example, interacting with a road junction. So all these scenarios are important because they're critical scenarios.
0: What I'm curious about here is normal experience that different pedestrians in different parts of the world behave differently a New Yorker might walk in a particular way that's a little different from someone walking along the beach in Key West, for example. And the folks in Rome might walk differently than the folks in Amalfi. Have you experienced that? That if you have a particular data set with a particular pedestrian pool, you get different results than maybe other data set pools?
1: Of course. The more we talk actually now, the more interesting ideas and perspectives that you give me. So right now, We were just testing in road environments and campus environments, which I think are more strict for the people to walk in because you have signs around you, you have cameras around you. They are highly monitored areas. But then if you want to move this algorithm to be tested in uh, more crowded areas, more public areas that have an entertainment activity, for example, or a beach environment, of course, wherever we walk, we have some universal norm that we follow unintentionally, which is called the social etiquette. Everyone has the social etiquette embedded in their head, and this social etiquette conduct us to walk by keeping a distance from each other. So what we want to think about is not just the environment, and we want to specialize in this environment and just dedicate an algorithm for the beach walking style, the party walking style, or the road walking style. Everywhere we walk, we want to avoid bumping into each other, right? So this is called the social etiquette. And this is the subliminal knowledge or the very subtle knowledge that every human on earth follow, which is keeping a distance between pedestrians and avoiding colliding with each other, colliding with cars. So this is the pattern that the algorithm is trying to learn. And based on that, it can adapt to any context.
0: Interesting. So you're approach to this, which makes a lot of sense, is to have an algorithm that could address all the different social etiquettes around the world and not to have a Singapore version that addresses the social etiquette there. Yours is an attempt to universally address social etiquette of the pedestrians worldwide.
1: Of course, that's true. And just to add, Paul, to this talk is that AI targets have always been to encode human knowledge and human behavior. And there is some normative theory about human motion, which is the social etiquette. So AI targets this normative knowledge because it's universal. Because everywhere, the walking style can be similar, can be different a little bit, can have different dynamics, but we don't target a specific dynamic. Otherwise, this algorithm may work in Singapore because it's a highly monitored, but it may not work in other countries where you don't have signboards or cameras everywhere.
0: Certainly one of the first concerns that comes to my mind is, examining pedestrians is that they don't necessarily know they're being examined and they don't necessarily agree to be examined. Have you encountered any legal issues there? I know you're not a lawyer, but have you encountered the privacy issues that may relate
1: to your research? It's important to highlight this point. Actually, in the first two years of my research, With the assistance of my supervisor and his colleague in the lab, we were collecting live videos of driving scenarios inside the campus. So we were going by car every day trying to capture students at the crosswalk and see how they would behave in different manners. Some people would wait for the car to stop and some other people would just say, yeah, it's a crosswalk. I'm authorized to cross at any time. It's my right-of-way. So we were capturing these videos as much as possible and... um, We were intending to use them for training and validating our models. But later we realized that we have to hide faces, we have to hide car plate numbers according to the laws, because you are capturing people without their permission. Of course, you're not going to take the permission of each and every pedestrian in the street to to include them. But once they see the camera on top of the car, they know that they are being captured. So they might laugh, they might even look at the camera, but some other people would look away. So we've kept this in mind, is that we have to morph the faces. We have to hide as much as possible of the personalization data that might identify any person without their permission in a public video, or a private video even. We realize that this is going to take a lot of time from us, and we have to do it because it's a legal process. And also, we've seen a lot of video data sets online, like Waymo, which was published by Google, and Kitty Dataset, and other datasets like scenes And all these datasets capture driving scenarios also. However, we've seen very few scenarios that capture pedestrians at the crosswalk, which is the most critical scenario of all. In fact, some of these dataset size reached to one terabyte of videos of driving scenarios, but most of these scenarios were capturing highway driving or at car parks. But a very few of them included like below 100 scenarios of pedestrians at the crosswalk. This is through my observation, like I try to observe as many videos of their contents. However, at the end, we realized that we don't want to focus this research on just one scenario, because there are lots of other scenarios which the algorithm can learn from. And then by adding more features like the looking direction, the head pose, the eye gaze, all these can aid later in adapting this algorithm to future novel scenes like the crosswalk.
0: Serene, very interesting and clearly a lot of work is going into this model. How do you see this work advancing the self-driving industry?
1: Well, my research focuses on understanding pedestrian motion intention to, to simulate their intention or understand the motor skills of pedestrian navigation decision on the road. So I do research on predictive methods that can anticipate the future motion in urban areas and such models, can also work for predicting pedestrians' intent to prevent the accident with a vehicle. So when I was working on these algorithms, I put in mind that these algorithms has to be fast, has to be lightweight and efficient, such that it can be deployed in the future on autonomous cars. So they are designed to suit the platform capability because autonomous cars or social robots rely on limited power. They rely on limited battery power limited computational power. So far, I put this in mind and developed a fast and efficient algorithm for predicting the future walking. So this is an essential task that contributes to the autonomous path planning and avoiding collisions with surrounding pedestrians and other users of the road. And also current automotive technologists like Germany Mercedes-Benz and USA Google are asked to highly care about the driving safety into the underlying models. The way to work fully autonomous cars isn't that far, as researchers found that in order to let cars drive like human, they should learn from the human driving first. Then later, the car embedded system can perceptually learn to increase its safety policy by continuously facing novel scenes and amending new knowledge from those to its existing knowledge. And novel scenes includes new roads, new driving style, new Driving patterns, new pedestrian patterns. So variations of interacting situation with pedestrians and other cars. So these variations also include the lighting, the weather conditions, etc. The car manufacturers start development by learning from an exemplary driving model. So we drive the car, we have a camera, and then we let the algorithm run continuously as the car is driving and observe how this driver is driving or steering the wheel, such that later, this algorithm will imitate the human driving activity, which are out to maximize the safety and minimize the risk while considering other users' intentions. And one last thing that it's important to mention, I was involved in a Mercedes-Benz challenge, which was launched online last year, and I joined a couple of students from engineering school like me. We were still planning for an application a smart application that can serve their autonomous car project we formulated an idea and during our brainstorming we were talking about all of these examples and how we can make mobile application which can help the driver while driving which can be incorporated during this process so one of the things that we were talking about is to consider how many times the acceleration changes by the driver and how efficient is this for the fuel consumption? So one of the ideas that we were talking about is to tell the driver that he or she has to limit their acceleration pattern such that they save more fuel while driving. And this is one of the Ben's future vision is to make the cars more eco or green cars such that they emit less fumes to the environment.
0: To your algorithm and the model that you're studying, do you have a sense of, kind of an unfair question, when you'll be done? When will the model be ready for commercial use? Do you have a sense of that timing?
1: Well, actually, I have offered the codes online on my GitHub account. I always upload all the implementation for other people to take a look at and for other researchers to give an opinion or maybe extend to better models even because you know there are thousands of researchers working on this problem like me in the last two years i experienced around like 600 new papers per year imagine 600 new papers from all around the world universities from google from universities in europe in south america and even singapore so i keep A consideration of this algorithm that one day it will be used commercially. And this is going to happen after a proper testing, of course, because they need to validate any algorithm before deploying it. And they have a special testing of automation. They have special standards, which not every company expose or give news about because it's like an industrial secret. But of course, this algorithm so far, it produced down to five centimeters error, which is very favorable for the manufacturers to look at and if i want to go in this direction i'd like to extend this algorithm for a future startup which is one of the goals that i'm working on right now i intend to use these algorithms for future startup products and from there we can start the industrial testing and the proper validation
0: Oh, that's very exciting. And we wish you the best on your professional ambitions there. But we also thank you for your studies into this technology, which will undoubtedly make these self-driving cars safer. If you don't mind, I'd like to hear from you maybe in a year to see the progress that you've made as well as your model and to give us an update on this exciting technology. Serene, thank you so much for joining the program.
1: Thank you a lot for inviting me and for taking the time and chance for this talk. It was a great pleasure for me to announce and make people more aware about this technology, to adopt it or become more accepting of it. Thank you.